Carla. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Creative Reboot. So welcome to episode Mary. So today's guest, we've got um, the wonderful artist and illustrator Mary Moonhawk, who works from her studio in Bedfordshire, creating all kinds of gorgeous original art, um, mostly fantasy, but actually I think she can pretty much create anything. Welcome, Mary. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So it's really lovely to have you. Um, Could you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do and so our lovely listeners can, can get to know you a bit? Yeah, so, yeah, as you said, I create my art under the name Mary Moonhawk. Uh, Mary, short for Meredith. Uh, my real name is actually Danny, uh, Danny Karis Hawkyard, but uh, I've never had much of an affinity with my my real name, so when it came to actually kind of putting myself out there into the world, I felt like I kind of wanted to feel more like me, if you know what I mean. Um, and, yeah, I'm an artist and illustrator. I have a home studio here in Bedfordshire, um i produce uh, a range of original art uh, always kind of nature inspired usually featuring animals um and i do a lot of i'm doing a lot of commission work at the moment so i'm doing a lot of kind of animal portraits and animal illustrations and things like that that's mostly what's coming out of the studio at the moment amazing that is amazing can i just ask how do you choose a name like mary moonhawk because that is an amazing name i absolutely love that <laughs> Well, it kind of came from, actually, this is a funny story that Carla and I didn't actually talk about the last time that we Ooh. caught up. Um, I was it's actually pricked. very much inspired by Carla and her oh, alter yeah. egos and everything like that. Oh, when I realised that, that like, when I realised that like this was a thing and people could do this, um, it was like, it kind of just opened up this whole other world for me and this, you know, this whole idea of you can be whoever you want to be. Mm. You just have to create that reality. Um, Meredith for me was the name that I chose very early on partly because I love the name Mary I think because I'm someone who has kind of struggled with sort of mood mood swings and mild depression the 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 word Mary just makes me feel so kind of empowered Mm -hmm. and so cheerful and the fact that that's kind of something that I'd often struggled with especially in kind of my early adulthood for various reasons um yeah that that was a, a word that I've always really loved I've always loved Mary as a name Um, And I chose Meredith as kind of the full version of that because um, I found uh, that one one meaning of it is kind of guardian of the sea. Oh, I love that. Which I love because, you know, I'm a scuba diver. I'm really being an animal person, an environmental person, a pagan. I'm really, you know, kind of the idea of, you know, the marine conservation is something that's very close to my heart. Um, It's something that's kind of come down to me from my dad. Um, it's very important to him. So it felt very apt for me. And the the Moonhawk part of it came because, um, as I said, my surname is Hawkyard, which is hawk like the bird and then yard like yard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how else to say that. <laughs> no, um, that <laughs> <laughs> um, but so every member on my dad's side of the family, all of the Hawkyards, um, for a long time, they've always had um, different nicknames that are something hawk. Um, oh, like my dad's yeah. cousin was always Lady Hawk because she was the only sort of female member of the family who was partaking in this whole nicknaming thing. Um, and one of his other cousins was Rusty Hawk because I think he worked in the metal industry or something like that. <laughs> so and my dad's South Hawk because he's the one that moved down south. They're all from up north. So um, it just kind I of like this. Yeah. So yeah, I kind great, of took. I wanted to keep that kind of tradition for me. Um, and the moonhawk part of it came because, as I said, you know, being a practicing pagan, um, 
so I work very closely with kind of the moon cycles and things like that so mm. and I liked the whole MM the merry moonhawk it just flowed really well it does so. flow it flows so well yeah it's lovely it that was actually Sarah's first reaction when I said oh you know my friend wants to come on the podcast and she's called Merry Moonhawk she was like oh that's such a good name <laughs> I did, I did. So. that is exactly it because it's actually it's funny you talking about like finding a name that you align with there because I'm trying to think I, I don't remember anyone growing up who who actually liked the name they were given it's, yeah it's really quite funny people so many people change their names don't they I used to be a paramedic so I used to go and obviously see lots of different patients and amazingly how many of them would give you a completely different name from what was actually on their um like their their details you'd sort of go hold on you just told me your name was this oh yeah yeah I don't like that name this is the name I go by so yeah maybe it's just a thing that I haven't got you know involved with is finding a name for myself I do. I, I love that process. Actually, for me, it's a massive creative process. So I, I think I currently have seven alter egos. And uh, one of my right. clients actually said to me, she was like, "Is that like having a personality disorder?" And I was like, "No, not, not really. It's not, yes, not quite yes, the same." I mean, yes, but no, but not really. There's seven of me, but no. Um, but yeah, it is. It's one of my favourite parts. Is finding once you kind of become, you 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 realise what that 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 part of you, that persona is going to be, that alter ego is going to be alter ego, alter ego. I don't have an ogre alter ego yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, um, yes. and it is it's like it's finding and I, I don't know if you found the same but for me I went through like a couple of um particularly with um with my showgirl um persona I went through a few kind of versions until I found the one and then when I found it I was like that's the one that's it yeah. and it still feels right all these years later which is lovely so um yeah I like that story I can't believe we didn't do that story before that's epic no it, really I meant to tell that. you about it at the time and then when we got off the phone at like 2 30 in the morning I was like <laughs> damn it I didn't tell her that's all right there's always well now now I know which is great so no, it's, podcast, it's all good absolutely <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh, no, I love that <laughs> That is brilliant. It actually kind of, I think, ties in really nice with, with the question that we want to ask you about your creative journey, because it's, um, well, it's, you're obviously a very creative person listening to you. Um, so tell us a little bit about your creative journey. Like, what were you doing before and um, before what you do now, for example? Oh, OK. So, yeah, so I kind of, I've kind of gone sort of full circle, completely off on tangent and kind of come back to the artwork because I always drew as a kid um like I, I could draw pictures with a pencil before I knew how to word with a pencil um but I kind of I sort of drift I was always very adamant as a kid that I didn't or when I was younger certainly in my teen years that I didn't want to um to make that my full-time work so many people used to say oh you should be an artist when you grow up and I was like no I don't want to do that and I think it was partly wow. like that whole idea of the moment I, I was worried that the moment you make something like your passion into your work it stops being fun um, oh so god I, you know. like, that's, that's the thing that i've been saying for years i love that carry on <laughs> we talk about that a lot actually don't we? Like, you know, what, what if what so, if and then it, yeah mm. I, i'd like to say i've now realized that this is not the case but that mm-hmm. was my like my big thing when i was kind of growing up and people used to say it, i always kind of like held that idea very much at arm's length and um actually when i went to, to university the first time when i went and did my bachelor's um i actually did equine science so completely unrelated apart from yeah. drawing various like anatomical diagrams i had no use for my artistic um tendencies at all um so yeah so i did that um i graduated in 2013 and then came more or less straight out of university and went straight into kind of the animal care industry um i did a, a stint for about a year working sort of with with dogs with rescue dogs and and training and kennels and things like that um it wasn't what I really wanted to do but I was offered the job and I didn't really know at that point 
what I wanted to do. Um, so it kind of seemed sensible to take it and then figure it out later. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that for, for about a year um, and actually ended up having to, it, it was without kind of wanting to say too much about it, it wasn't a very pleasant working environment. Um, I had um, a couple of breakdowns while I was working in, in that particular place and kind of hit hit what I felt at the time was a rock bottom. And I, I so I came out of that job um, with nothing else to go to. Um, and it was at that point in sort of the end of 2014, that would have been, that I actually set Water Horse Artistry up um, as kind of a hobby business. It was just something, something to do, a way of um, trying to make a bit of money while I was trying to, um, to get myself back on my feet, really. So for a few months, I kind of, I was running, just running uh, Water Horse Artistry as a kind of tentative hobby venture, if you like, never really thinking I was ever going to do it full time. But um, it was, you know, it was keeping me sane, shall we say, in the, in the months that followed. And then I went um, back into to working with animals. I worked as a freelance groom. I worked at um, a local riding school as well at the same time because horses were always kind of my first love. So I did three years. Um, sorry, I did a year and a half working at the riding school and doing freelance groom work. And then I followed that up with three years as a veterinary receptionist, um, which was an incredible job. Um, I absolutely loved it. I loved the team that I worked with. Um, Honestly, I think the big thing for me was that the pay just wasn't... I, I didn't feel like what we got paid was enough for what we were expected to do mm. um, in that job. Um, and there wasn't really any... I'm the kind of person that I'm very much... And I imagine you guys are probably as well doing what you're doing. You know, when you have that kind of constant drive to keep doing, to keep being more, to keep doing better. And there was nowhere for me to do that in that job. Mm. Um, I felt very much like you know, okay, I could stay here and do this job for the next 10, 20 years and quite enjoy it, but not really feel like I'm going anywhere. Um, and, you know, unless, you know, you know, my, my manager had no intention of retiring anytime soon. She absolutely loves her job. And her job was really the only job I would ever have any opportunity of, of going into, being the reception manager. Because um, I didn't want to be a, a veterinary nurse or a, a veterinary surgeon or anything like that. Um, so it got to a point where I kind of decided I need to... I'd, I think I'd kind of come to the, the realisation while I was working in these various places that I really wasn't cut out for working for other people. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very you know common that one here. Yeah. We do hear that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, I enjoy being part of a team and I loved the team that I worked with. Um, but, I mean, let's just say I have never had a job where I haven't had some kind of reprimand for, for my lack of timeliness. <laughs> I, I, I relate very much. I'm not very good at that's probably a, that's a creative thing, isn't it? We're always late like for everything. Thing, yeah. <laughs> it is. We're in other things, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a single job where I haven't been told off for being late. And I'm just, I'm just not cut out for working to other people's schedules at all. And I just, I just want to, to do my thing. And... Yeah. I have to ask in there. Have you, so I've, I've similarly always been reprimanded for timeliness or lack, lack of timeliness. Um, but I've also often been told off for messiness. So my desk just kind of attracts <laughs> paper when I've had desk-based jobs. And like when I've worked, so things like when I worked in the library, which is similar to reception, where you're kind of out front facing client facing and and I would come off my we used to do it in our rotations and I'd come off my hour and they'd be like where did all this stuff come from and I'm like I don't know it's just there <laughs> like I just I'll take it with me it's fine like did you have a similar similar thing or were you more no, more see, about the lateness no see I was I'm the complete opposite in that respect like I am oh. so I'm so anally retentive it pisses people off 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that on your podcast. Yes, oh, you, you can. can say anything. Yeah, yeah. We got 47 seconds into episode one before one of us said fuck. So you're fine. Yes. You can say anything you like. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm the person that's like, but that's not where that lives. <laughs> Put it back. So oh. actually then the messy thing is just you, Carla, obviously. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. All right, I'll take it. I'll take my messy crown and wear it proudly. Yeah, sorry to disappoint on that one. It's fine. Oh. It's nice to hear though. I, I'm, I'm loving hearing this kind of common theme. We've had quite a lot of different people um, and you're our first artist actually that we've had on, on the podcast. But it's really lovely to hear like this common thread linking everyone together, I think. of Actually, I got to a point where I just don't want to work for someone else anymore. Like I'm just, you can do it, but you don't want to do it anymore. And it's lovely. It's good there were other yeah. common threads I kind of picked up on there as well. I found myself really nodding along to the things like where you said, um, where you said about not wanting to make your passion your work because of the fear of of losing the passion for it. I guess mm. um, that's something I did for years with photography, so I could definitely um, align with that. And there was another thing you mentioned as well about oh, it's gone now. Damn, I need instant replay. I can't remember. It'll come back to me. Carry the on. irony that we're recording it, but you can't listen until we're done. No. <laughs> so actually then, so we got as far as you working um, in the, in the, in the, with the vets. I'll, I'll, how you did that, I don't know, because I spend my time wanting to take all of the animals home or probably cry my eyes out, one or the other. But um, So from there, what happened? How did you kind of get to that point to where you are now? Well, I think um, the real kind of sort of, I can't really even say it was sort of a kick over the edge. It was kind of a gradual progression. Like I always, I, I was kind of getting to that point as I got sort of a little bit older and um, sort of, I suppose, more mature that I was becoming the thing. I, I was doing more artwork and I was thinking this is actually something that I would really like to do, but I don't know that I can, I think I have a lot of, and again, I think this is, is very much a creative or an artist trait of, of you know, having a serious lack of kind of self-belief. Um, it wasn't that I doubted so much my artistic abilities. Um, I did doubt whether anyone would like what I do because I think my stuff is quite kind of quirky and a bit niche in some ways. But I doubted my ability to, to be a good businesswoman. Um, I doubted whether I had, you know, because I've never, never been put in that, aside from kind of university work, where obviously you're faced with kind of constant deadlines and big trouble if you don't meet them um you know once you're self-employed it's you know the world is completely in your hands and you have to have the the drive and the motivation and the discipline and I wasn't I didn't know how how much of that I would have and I didn't know um you know how good I'd be at things like you know, sort of basic everyday business things like keeping your accounts and things like that I, I was like I don't know whether I'm capable of doing this so it was kind of something that was in the back of my mind during those later years especially kind of and maybe a year after I started at the vets, I was starting to think, you know, how long do I want to stay here? What do I want to do next? Um, and it was that little thing, um, you know, that little art thing niggling in the back of my head. Um, but I think actually the crux of it for me was I started, I'm trying to think what year it would have been. I must have been at the vets about a year and a half, maybe up to two years. Um, and I started, um, I actually went back to university um, to do a, a, a master's degree. Um, completely unrelated to my bachelor's. Um, I, so I'm currently, I'm still doing the, the master's at the moment. It's uh, a course in mythology, cosmology and the sacred. 
at, wow. uh, at Canterbury. So, so excited. I just, I just did an excited <laughs> face and I've just realised it's podcast so these guys can see me but you guys can't see my face. I miss the Imagine an excited so, face. I was so much, I was so in, you know, listening intently that I'd miss the excited face, Carla. That's <laughs> oh, all right, you us. didn't miss much but I you know it is, it's an amazing, um, what, I, on, an amazing master's. What an amazing subject to be able to study. That's incredible. incredible. I didn't even know they did subjects like that how do you find a course like that that's incredible well I found it completely by accident because again I'd had it in my head for some years that I wanted to go back into academia because as well as being I'm kind of like a walking paradox I'm a a completely scatty creative and I'm also like an incredibly anally retentive academic so I'm kind of like it works surprisingly well actually you wouldn't think those two things would meet in one person but it does seem to work well, I've spent a long time trying to reconcile that and I've kind of just reached the point where I have to accept that these are like the two parts of myself and it doesn't mean that I have split personality disorder. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I knew I wanted to go back into academia. Um, I spent a long time deciding whether I wanted to... Um, you know, whether I wanted to qualify to be an equine behaviourist or whether I wanted to go back and do some kind of art degree. But then I was like... It, it, it makes me sound really big headed but you know my voice the voice in my head was like I can do that like I can I can draw I know how to create and I don't want anyone else to be there telling me how to create Mm -hmm. um and I kind of spent a lot of time looking around um different options I even looked I think at sort of creative writing degrees and art history and stuff like that but it just nothing was clicking I'd sort of I'd find something and for all of about three weeks think it was a great idea and then I'd be like "Eh, but is it and, and for a master's, you knew. need that dedication, yeah, or for yeah. any any oh, degree yeah. actually. But yeah. certainly, I think for a master's in depth, if you're doing it alongside other yeah. stuff, you you need to have that that love for it to keep going back to it to actually complete it and do it and go to Absolutely. into that depth. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah, so wow. yeah. So I was kind of hunting and hunting, and I was even looking at starting to yeah you because know, I've always been fascinated again with um, sort of psychology. Um, I did psychology at A level, and then carried that through when I did my my bachelor's because um, kind of my one of my things that I was kind of it was sort of my thing when I did my first degree um when I did the equine science degree was equine behavior that was like my sort of psychology was uh, animal psychology was something I was really really interested in and that I was quite I, I had a bit of an aptitude for um so I thought well you know could I even go back and do you know go back and look at psychology degrees because one of the things I would have loved to have done was things like forensic psychology um, so I was even looking around stuff like that, but obviously I was like, I don't want to do another bachelor's because I've done one, and it's like I want to. It's that whole thing about I want to do better, I want to do more, I want to do the next, like the thing. next level. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I was like, there was no question in my head that I was going to settle for another bachelor's or anything like that. Um, so, and obviously, if I was going to do you know, a master's in something like psychology, you've got to have the the basis for it. You've got to have the degrees below it, and I didn't have that. So I kept hunting and hunting and trying to find the right thing. And I'd pretty much almost given up. And it was just this little voice in the back of my head. It was a complete whim. Um, I just thought, you know, what is the one thing that you are really, really passionate about right now? What's really driving you? And at that point in my life, I'd kind of recently, well, not recently, but sort of for the previous sort of few years before, I'd found a real interest in things like mythology and folklore. Um, sort of spirituality had become very important in my life. Um, sort of Celtic druidry, particularly. Um, and sort of English and um, British folklore. Um, and I just, on a complete whim, um, put into Google uh, degrees in folklore, not expecting to find anything. I thought this is, I, I don't even know why I did it. It was completely just, it was one of those sort of spur of the moment. Obviously things, meant to be, know. though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I even went through the, the thought processes of, I wonder what happens if I do this. I just thought, eh, 
and just give it typed, a go. typed it in and hit enter and this degree at canterbury myth cosmology and the sacred was the first thing that came up on my google search history and i was like oh what's this and i read it and it was a master's and i looked at the requirements and i thought well i have all of this and i read through everything that it was saying about what the course was and i was like this is it it's just like it was like a little light bulb went on the back of my head and i was like this is it this is what i need to be doing did you get the tingle? Because I remember when yeah. Carla did. Carla was my little voice actually, because I I had nothing as far. I think I I came away from school with a few GCEs, which will tell you how old I am. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think was it I said to you, Carla? I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I'd really like to learn something. And she she did that little voice thing. Like, if there's anything that you'd be really interested in doing, what is it? Mm. And uh, for me, it was creative writing actually. So. Um, and I hadn't even considered even what were you thinking at... of I can't remember what you were thinking of before then but I do remember thinking like I can see you doing a degree but not in really that like job related it, it was, was really being really... a paramedic and boring and <laughs> yeah it wasn't why. it wasn't very you was it <laughs> no definitely not no but then when I found this this degree and it was a I, got, I remember getting the tingle I, I literally found yeah. it the week before the deadline for the cutoff for applying for that year um, oh, wow. so I applied and I was like <laughs> oh I'm doing a degree next week okay <laughs> 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 that is amazing yeah. oh and canterbury as well is it um is it distance learning or do you go down there no or? well obviously not at the moment i'm not going down there because I'm not allowed yes but, um, <laughs> but yes normally it's all because of the the kind of course material um as you can probably imagine it appeals very much to mature students and mm. kind of people who are in full-time work or are self-employed um or people that are kind of sort of maybe older people I maybe mean, a couple of people on the course that we've had have been you know, retired people that are just looking to kind of further themselves and better mm-hmm. themselves and occupy their time and do something they're passionate about so it's all kind of at weekends um so it's based around so people can fit it around their work um so we i go down or, or i did go down sort of on a, on a friday every other friday and i would stay through until sunday night and then i would come yeah. come back home and go back to work Oh, wow that's glorious but, so how much um, longer have you got left on it as well how, how far are you through well i'm on my dissertation now so only a couple of months really and exciting then officially that will be handed in and that'll be it <laughs> amazing that's incredible what an amazing journey that is it's just um, fascinating to hear but as you can probably imagine like the stuff that's included on this course i mean it's, it's basically a big mixing pot i mean obviously we cover theology um mythology and folklore uh, philosophy anthropology ancient oh, culture wisdom traditions amazing yeah but as you can you, we even do things like parapsychology and um, sort of spirits wow. and ufos and stuff like that gets covered as well so cool. um is there an element of customizing so you can kind of choose the bits that you kind of appeal to you and that fit your um, um, your path the most or is it is it quite set is, i say set i mean it's obviously massively <laughs> varied but yeah, I mean, we cover a huge amount of stuff and at master's level, it's kind of up to you to then go and look into that further if Delve. that's what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. But sort of for each module, we would get like a list of about 10 essays that you could choose from that covered all the topics in that. So then you'd have kind of the option of which one you wanted to follow up. Um, so whilst um, the actual course lectures, I would say, were quite set, there were a couple of times where you'd get an option of maybe two different topics and you could go to one or the other. Um, but most of the time it was fairly set. But then when it got to actually doing the coursework for that module, you could then kind of go off on your own tangent and you know, pick the topic that appealed to you and that you wanted to explore more. Amazing. But as you can probably imagine, the, the, you know, the things that we would cover um, on a degree like that, you, you, you would go home on a Sunday night literally feeling like there was so much crammed into your head that it was just kind of spilling out your ears. 
Yeah. Like, I just yeah. used to go home feeling like my head was kind so of like... So much was happening. <laughs> yeah, it sounds amazing. So then, for, as far as the the Masters is concerned, do you feel like, is that is that changing your your journey as it, uh, you know that you're yeah. on at the moment what's what's happening how massively. is that how is it affecting that yeah massively yeah because i mean the thing is but i always say before i did this masters i never would have considered actually taking the bull by the horns as it were and actually making the leap into self-employment but the stuff that we do and the stuff that we're looking at and it basically has this, the masters has this strange way of taking everything that you think you know about the world and yourself and the people around you and flipping it completely upside down back to front inside out and make sure it just i see everything differently now everything mm. i do i see differently every every person i meet i see differently every painting i see i see differently and every piece of work i create i, I create differently and i see it differently so it's completely changed everything and i think if i hadn't met the people that i've met through doing this and if i hadn't have put myself into that environment and kind of gone this is what i want to do like this is because there's a huge creative element to the course as well. Mm. Um, you know, I thought this is the stuff that I really want to devote my time to and to, you know, to devote my life to, the, both the acad- academia and the artwork and kind of bring the two together, which is kind of what I'm sort of working at doing at the moment. Yeah. Is, Did you expect yeah. that? Did you, when, when you... No, not at all. No, okay. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't something you thought, oh, you know, this, this will kind of change everything. It was more of a, I want to no. do this and then see and then it's led to... Oh. At a at a base level, are you actually sort of seeing a, a a physical change in like your the work that you're creating? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's amazing. I think mm. it's it's not so much necessarily uh, the content that I'm creating because obviously I don't know what I'd be creating now if I wasn't doing it, but it's the True. way that I create that's changed, um, and the way that I kind of engage with the creative process. And I'm so much less kind of um, OCD about it, and so much so much freer in it because i know how to engage that side of my mind now i know how to work with that side of myself and not go but what if it doesn't work you know that kind of that constant little voice in the back of your head that's always that sounds gloriously powerful actually because (laughs) i think that's something that that all creatives struggle Mm. with that little like but what if it's not good enough or what if it doesn't work what if what if um so being able to kind of work free of that is amazing but yeah, to to kind of go back to your question about whether I could see that ha- the the two things coming together like that and, and me ending up um, becoming self employed, um, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do with a degree. I just knew that it was what I wanted to do. And I remember taking it to my mum and saying, "I found this because um, I do still live with my family. Um, I'm an only child, and I got on with my family very very well. So I don't see the point in paying out a small fortune in rent when, you know, I can." stay here and pay rent but not as much rent as i would living as near to london as we do if i was to move it would out, not work so. in my household me and my mum are too much alike and we throw things at each other so yeah, yeah I, I get that though yeah see me and my mum aren't particularly alike i mean we get on very well but we're not very alike i think i probably have more in common with my dad actually now i'm sort of grown up but um but yeah i, I took it to my mum and she was very like oh yeah that's, that's like not what i expected but great if that's what you want to do then I take it to my dad who is very much a kind of sensible I mean he was a banker that tells you probably as much as you need to know he is sensible rational um and basically his first question was well okay but what are you going to do with it afterwards (laughs) I was like I don't know (laughs) I mean why are you asking me such silly questions yeah definitely what should we do with all any of our degrees that we earn you know it's like exactly (laughs) but yeah, I was like, I don't know. I just, I, I just knew in my gut that it was the, this was the right thing for me to be doing. Um, 
and that was kind of acknowledging that and, and running with that was, again, it was the first time I think I'd ever really had the confidence to stand back and say, no, this is what I want to do. Um, so I'm, I'm going to butt in there and say, how, how had you sort of previously, had you been good at following your gut and, and sort of following your intuition? Or was that kind of the first, one of the first times that you sort of went, actually, no, I'm going to listen to this. This is my, you know, it doesn't make any, any amount of rational sense, but I'm going to do it anyway. Not, not that it doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? I think, I think intuition is yeah, one of those funny things that, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've always been an incredibly kind of sensitive, intuitive person. Um, but I think, again, I think for me, it was, the, it was the confidence thing was a big thing for me. Like, I would spend a lot of time doubting. Um, you know, I'd, I, I wouldn't necessarily see those moments of um, sort of what you might call insight or intuition as moments of insight or intuition. And I would then second guess them with that, that voice in my head that, again, very much comes from my dad of you know, the, the rational voice of, you know, well, what do you want to do that for? Or, yeah. or what you can do with it afterwards or what if it doesn't work or you know so it was it never really got so much of a look in I think when I was younger and then I kind of got to a point where you know I'd been through kind of a hell of a lot with like sort of I'd had that bad job and then I had um a really terrible relationship that followed that which was sort of four years of my life down the drain um that had kind of led me to a point where I just kind of went you know what I need to do this for me because I don't know who I am if I don't do it um so I think I kind of and I think a lot of people say this when um they kind of suddenly make that turning point into kind of following following their heart that you know that they have some kind of um you know they hit rock bottom in some way or they have some kind of trauma that makes them just go no like life is too short and I need to do this if yeah I I kind of I lost myself um in my early 20s very much and it kind of for me that was kind of me taking back my power Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's probably quite typical of a lot of people in their twenties, but they probably just don't realise it. And mm. unfortunately, not everyone finds they're not not everyone actually manages to find who they are, do they? It's but not... Yeah, find their way back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I I I pick up on that. I've I've I think I had almost the opposite. I was a I had a very strong sense of who I was in my early twenties when we first met, actually, um, in my early twenties, and then through my kind of late twenties and early thirties, um, I well beginning of the 30s I feel like I lost that because of the the trauma of losing dad and some other stuff that went on um and it's been really interesting seeing in the last few years how my new friends have said oh it's so lovely to see you bloom and my friends who knew me before have said oh it's so lovely to see you getting yourself back and it's a really interesting balance between like as you say finding your way back to that person because I think we all we, we must come into the world with a sort of, well, maybe not immediately into the world, but a sense of knowing what we want. And then I think society does its best to beat it out of us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. to As, again, one of the things we wanted to talk about in the podcast, wasn't it? It was one of the reasons we started Creative Reboot, so we could talk about this sort of journey and see all the different ways that people have come to the, all the different things that they do. Because um, there are definitely common threads, but everyone's story is very unique. And I yeah. really like it. It really is, definitely. Do we get to ask our favourite question, Carla? Yes. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you do it. Okay. So this is this is definitely our joint favourite question. So um, what has been your most glorious moment so far? And it can be, I mean, you can have more than one if you want to, but and it can be life, it can be business, it can be um, art, creative, it can be anything you like. I mean, on a kind of, I suppose on a level related to what I'm doing for work, I would say it was that moment where I said... You know, where I, where I sat back at my desk one day and I thought, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. It was that moment where I suddenly decided, you know, I'm doing my degree. I feel empowered. I know who I am. I know what I want. And 
why not? Like everything's just come into place at the right at the right time. And I just thought if I don't don't do it now, I might never do it. Mm-hmm. So it was that moment of kind of feeling like I was, you know, taking up the sword and saying we're we're going to do doing this. the thing. And, yeah, yeah, we're doing the thing. <laughs> why is there really cool. never a fireworks moment when that happens though, or confetti or something that happens when you have those moments? It's really yeah, fascinating. something should happen. Especially <laughs> when you look back at it on hindsight and you're like. That was the moment. Well, where was the fanfare? You know? <laughs> but then, strangely, would you say? I mean, so I. It's funny because I. Um, when we ask this question about glory, glorious moments are often quite serious in a strange mm. way. Like they're, mm. they're often like quite a big thing that's happened. So although they are glorious and exciting, like that is it's quite it, not solemn, but it is a quite a serious decision, isn't it? It's like you, you've made yeah. a, a decision that will be a turning point. Um, so maybe that's why there's no fireworks. No. Okay, good point. <laughs> it's a good answer, though. I like that, definitely. But yeah, I think that was that's probably the one that stands out the most. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> I wish oh, I had something more to you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's, that's the first one that comes to mind. It's usually the one, isn't it? So that's the way yeah, I kind of look at it. Yeah. So actually, on the opposite side of that, we probably should ask this the other way around. Do the do the negative <laughs> one first, and then the positive. Yeah, we think that, but you know, um, the the other thing is we always say is what is it that you've actually struggled with the most up until this point? Do you think? Um, that's a good one. I think I thought actually before I started, it was going to be discipline. I thought it was going to be because I'm a horrible procrastinator. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of person that can like find something that should be a five minute job and turn it into a three hour one, and not really know how I've managed to do that. Um. And I, I thought it was that that was going to be my biggest thing, like sort of the problem with like getting up in the morning and then being disciplined and going out there, going out to the studio and actually sitting down and saying, right now I'm in workspace and we work from now until six o'clock or whatever. Um, but actually that was something that came incredibly naturally and I was really surprised because I've always, I mean, my dad actually amazingly said he doesn't agree with this, but I've always thought of myself as quite a lazy person. Um, so I was like, I don't know how capable I am of of actually kind of <laughs> getting off my ass and actually pulling my weight on this. Like, can I make this work? Um, and actually I've had no problem with that at all. Like I get up and I mean, I'm not an early riser, but I work late. So it bounces out at the other end mm-hmm. of the day. And mm-hmm. I'm, quite, I'm quite happy with sort of working right up until dinner time at sort of eight, nine o'clock because we eat very late. Here. Um, so that's quite interesting to me because, sorry to interrupt you, but um, talking about the, the, like feeling like a lazy like you're a lazy person i always kind of and the procrastination as well mm-hmm. it i always think those kind of things tie in very much with with activities and jobs that you don't really you never really wanted to do in the first place they were the things you just did because it was either expected or you needed to pay the rent or you know all of those kinds of things because i i feel like exactly the same way i did nearly 20 years in the ambulance service and I probably have a history of being late for my shifts about fifty percent of the time. You know, I was always getting told off for not waking up at six o'clock in the morning for work, and um, yeah, and then to to be able to sort of come in and do the thing that I want to do every day. I love coming into my office in the morning now because it's mm. the thing that I really want to do. So I always, I kind of think, yeah, is that it, it's it's not necessarily laziness or procrastination. It is, it's avoiding the thing you just don't want to do, really, isn't it? I mean, isn't I like that the, the definition way, uh, of Carla's... procrastination. <laughs> I think so. I think it might well be. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a funny one. I think, I mean, I think, um, I think there's something there about the um, kind of 
um, your preferred hours as well. So I, mm. I battled when I first went. Um, I've always known I was a night owl and I, I was regularly like an hour late for my day job. But I had a very good manager <laughs> who overlooked it because I made up the hours at the end of the day. So it's fine. Um, obviously, I didn't point it out when I was there. But I've known I was a night owl for a long time and I really struggled. In, in fact, my very first job was um, I started sort of middle of the day and worked to the middle of the night and it was perfect. So I should have learned from that, really. And... Um, <laughs> I have struggled a lot with guilt, actually. It's not so much the procrastination, but I tend to have very gentle mornings, very gentle starts to the day, and then I'll get going somewhere between sort of half 11 and 2 p.m. And I will work until 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And because that's not accepted, I've found that people are often like, what do you mean you're sleeping until half 11? Like, that's weird. That's Aren't you self-employed? Don't you, like, get up and hustle at 4 a.m.? And I'm like, no, I go to bed at 4 a.m. and I need some sleep somewhere along the line. <laughs> so did you have any, like, once you made the leap, did you have any kind of guilt about working at that kind of slightly staggered day or did that feel quite like a natural transition for you? Um, actually, I think, I mean, I, I do kind of feel guilt when, you know, I don't get out of the studio at the time I'm, I'm meant to or something like that. And quite often that doesn't, that... It, the things never go the way I plan them to, partly because we have horses. So, and you know what they say: never work with children or animals. <laughs> things always go yes. wrong. And horses are nice so, big animals that do when they go yes. wrong, they go quite massively they really wrong. Go wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you know, I quite often I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go and do the horses first thing in the morning, and then I'll come back. And sometimes I get cleaned up, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll have something to eat. Sometimes I go straight out to the studio. And there are some days where I kind of feel guilty that I don't get out there sooner, or that maybe I didn't get up earlier and go and do the horses earlier. But generally speaking, the the whole kind of shift in sort of my natural sort of sleep cycle, if you like, or, or my my daily rhythm, rhythm yeah, yeah, is um, came very naturally. I fell back into it incredibly easily, and I found very very quickly I am so much happier when I'm allowed to keep to my natural body rhythm when I'm not forcing myself to get up at stupid o'clock. And then kind of being grumpy all day because I'm tired. And then at the end of the day, I'm hyper and I can't sleep. And then I get mm. no sleep. And then I'm up again at like half six. And it's like... This, and it just this, becomes this a horrible work. vicious circle, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. So I, I do kind of, like you say, get those little kind of pangs of guilt when, you know, especially when like... Um, like a friend of mine who's self-employed who like will then like text me at like six o'clock in the morning and I'm like on what planet do you think that I'm awake at this time of the morning <laughs> and it's like I, and I do kind of feel bad when like I know that like they're sat in their home office at like nine o'clock and I'm kind of like just crawling out of bed and sloping off to do my horses and have a nice morning with them and it's like but, but you know I, I feel like though, isn't it yeah, yeah. And, as, and as Carla says like you make up for it at the other end of the day you know like other people who start at nine will stop by kind of six and I'll still be plowing on into the night quite happily and I don't know about you but I mean it sounds I think you are very similar in that I actually do my best creative work in the evenings I have long said I do my best work between 6 p.m and 2 a.m um so if you want the best out of me that that is the time for me to work and obviously now I'm my own boss I want the best out of me I don't want the kind of dregs of first thing in the morning so I can manage meetings I can manage tidying I can manage filing I can manage low energy type stuff we do actually have an episode on energy, which may or may not have been released by the time you listen to this, but it will be out Hopefully. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, but I can definitely manage that. Um, I'll stick it in the show notes if it is out by the time. Um, but yeah, I can I can manage kind of low energy stuff in the morning. But my actual creative work that I have lots, lots of people say to me, oh, you know, when you're self-employed, you must, you must get up and you must do two hours of creative work before anyone else wakes up. And I'm like, one, the cats are always awake before me. I am never going to be the first person to wake up in my house. And two, like I just, my brain doesn't work at the same frequency in the morning. I don't know if you're sort of similar but if I'm gonna if I'm just I don't know um I'm writing books at the moment and I just type um and but again I'm finding I was like right I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do that first thing and it turns out 
I'm getting much better words out if I do that just before I go to bed instead of first thing in the morning. So it's that, it's like what you think you should do versus what actually works for you. And I'm noticeably, like when you said about being happier, I'm noticeably a nicer human being when I work on my schedule. And I'm noticeably a grumpier (laughs) human being when I have to get up and be somewhere for 9am. I can do it, but I don't like it. Mm. So yeah, it's really interesting. But it's it's a weird expectation that people have of everyone, I think, that, yeah, you should be working to this very similar clock you know and it's like well not yeah not everybody works that way yeah it's like the world was invented by someone on that clock and they forgot that some people would be different it's, mm. it's a very strange you know we could do it the other way around couldn't we We'd be like well we're all night owls the rest of you've got to work until the middle of the night <laughs> I mean, it's perfectly reasonable i feel like we but should yeah. try that <laughs> we oh, should yeah. we totally should the trouble is then we'd have to you know do boring stuff like be in government i won't do that yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we've got better things to do yeah no like, that's really interesting we could like advocate like a, a national night owl week or something where everyone else has to go on tour <gasps> that's such Can a we good make idea that international please because that would be international <laughs> yes international or at least at least canada and the uk together at least yes. <laughs> international, fostering international night owl relations i like this i like that that's fabulous yeah. that, that, that was quite corporate speak but i quite like it yeah <laughs> No, it is, and again, it's, it's really nice to hear that kind of... Because um, I think it's really validating when you make a decision and then... Because one of my fears, I don't know if you shared this, but one of my... So you said earlier about obviously fearing doing the creative thing and, and your passion and turning that into your sort of day-to-day life. And obviously we've discovered that that's bollocks and it actually is much easier to work on something <laughs> you love than something you hate. But I had a very similar fear and I know Sarah had a similar fear. And I think something else that I worried about was that having dreamed of self-employment and a creative working life or creative life where my life and my work were intertwined and being self-employed for literally my whole adult life I was terrified once I did it that then I'd hate it and it turns out actually I love it but there was that real oh my god what if I've done the wrong thing and it's really validating when people are like oh but you might hate it you might find you have to give up all this stuff and you can turn around and go actually no I bloody love it (laughs) it's great (laughs) and it's just a really nice not not because I want to you know prove anyone wrong but there are a surprising amount of people who are intervening and I think they mean it well I, I did you I don't know if you experienced any of this people who were like are you sure that's what you want to do you know but and I think it does come from a good place but it you know when you're already making a big scary decision it can be a bit like oh can you not give me any more self-doubts because that's what my doubts are already saying yeah. Bugger off. <laughs> yeah like did you have any of that as you kind of made the kind of came oh. through your creative journey I was very lucky actually because I have a lot of people in my life now who are um, self-employed who or who are doing something perhaps a little off grid or uh, you know not normal shall we say <laughs> no um, one wants to be normal no. <laughs> so you know I had a lot of people I had a very strong network of people around me who were all kind of like oh that's amazing yeah you can totally do it of course you can so I was very kind of empowered by the people around me um, and I think um, you know, my mum was very supportive of me and um, my dad, who was the one who I kind of expected to question it once I actually sat down with him and said, look, this is what I'm planning. This is what I'm thinking. I have actually thought about this. I'm not just like trying to get out of going to a normal job. Like I have actually seriously <laughs> put some thought into this. Um, you know, I think then when he realised that actually I was, I, I, that I meant what I was saying and it wasn't just the case of, well, you know, I'm just going to piss about playing with art and not actually do anything useful with my life. Um so I was very lucky. There were a couple of, I think, relatives who were a bit like, oh, okay. Um, but I kind of, I, I delayed telling a lot of them until I'd already handed my notice in. Because I was sensible. like, I don't want to have <laughs> that awkward moment before I do it. Of, oh, should I, shouldn't I? 
And actually, once you've made the decision, you need to kind of do it wholeheartedly, don't you? Yeah. And not have anyone interfering with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, or just even like yeah. putting those little seeds of doubt in your mind. It's yeah, you, nobody needs that really, do they? It's a, it's it's hard enough to make big decisions like that, you know, on your own with all yeah. of the the sensible thinking without someone else kind of stepping in and going, oh, but have you just thought about? Yeah. Go away. Shoot. <laughs> 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 so, so that actually, actually leads us. Oh, oh god. god! I think we both have the same thought. Carry no, on. No, go on. You go. Go go. I, <laughs> I can't words. Say, that is the perfect lead-in to talking about your support network. Actually, um, you mentioned obviously your mum and your dad there, uh, but how? Yeah, talk. Tell us a little bit about your support network and how that sort of helped you through your journey. So um, yeah, so I have a lot of friends who kind of people who have come into my life over um, over recent years as a result, partly of a, as a result of me kind of. Um, turning to you know finding an interest in paganism and partly as a result of uh, the MA um, I've met a lot of people who are um, very honest but quirky people and you know every single one of them is doing something because it's something they believe in and it's something that they really love um, I have one very close friend who's um, she's a professional photographer um, another one of my close friends is um, a professional tarot reader. Um, and then, you know, obviously I've got my my friends from my degree. I mean, there's a number of people who are working either as um, sort of counsellors or um, sort of spiritual um, practice in some way or they're creatives. Um, one of them's a sort of a holistic therapist. So, you know, there's a lot of people surrounding me that are um if not self-employed at least doing something or you know working in the academy in a way that's completely unconventional um and kind of you know they're all doing their own thing and the moment somebody says this is this is what my heart says this is what my heart wants they're like well you've got to do it um so having you know even though these people are kind of a lot of them are from sort of two different worlds some of them are from you know my friends at home and some of them are, are from from canterbury um having that kind of in, sort of in both ears if you like coming from both sides of me and the, from the two parts of my life that, that mean so much to me was incredibly empowering um and you know it was again like I, a i'd reached that point where i wanted to do it but b i was also surrounded by the right people at the right time and i just felt like mm. if i don't do this now i may never have the courage to do it um, well yeah with that kind of a support network you can't really not can you it's mm. yeah that's amazing yeah. to be able to have that many people around you who are are all kind of cheering for you really that's incredible and I think to look back and see how they've kind of found their way into your life like you said just at the right time mm-hmm. is, is always a bit magical for me I think I've, yeah. I've also had similar I mean well Sarah and I found each other at a time where we needed each other didn't we mm-hmm. so we didn't necessarily know we needed each other at the time but we did and yeah. um yeah it's, it's, it's amazing sometimes looking back to see how how things bring themselves together yeah how everything um, kind of falls into place them. falls into place yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Um, forces much bigger than than uh, out of our control kind of thing is uh, sort of stepping in yeah. and uh, guiding us in the right direction i love that yeah absolutely so on that note then what do you wish you'd known at the start of your creative journey oh from the moment i went self-employed or going from... way back Oh, from whenever you fancy, really. Um, what do I sorry, we are, we are throwing mean questions out. <laughs> <but> we, <laughs> we did, in fairness, we did ask each other these. We've got an episode each where we, we tackled them ourselves before we asked anyone else because we so thought we, that would we be We understand really the pain you're going through the pain, right now. Yeah. 
<laughs> actually, I tell you what, I think actually the one thing that I wish that someone had actually stood back and said to me sooner is that this is a legitimate way of living your life. Mm, I like that. Because, yeah. you know, I've had... The, I can't say from sort of a business sense there's there's much that I, I wish I'd known because obviously my dad is very business-minded, so he's always kind of, you have to do this and you have to do that and this is how it works and you have, have, you, have you thought about this? And So I always have that kind of in a practical sense. And I've also obviously got that creative sense from my friends who are working sort of in creative or in spiritual industries as well. So I've kind of got a fairly, I feel like I've got a fairly well-rounded... Um, really good balance, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah. A really nice cushion underneath me in that sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, earlier on, like, I think it took me a long time to kind of make my peace with the idea that actually this is something that I could do and that actually it didn't mean that I was less of a, a human being than somebody who's working in finance or working in... Um, I don't know, as a, as a lawyer or a doctor or anything else. Um, All those accepted professions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when you, you say, when someone says, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a professional artist. And people are like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the conversation normally ends at that point, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? And they just disappear. Right? Okay. Yeah. It's so funny. I have the opposite. So um, I used to work, a long time ago, I worked for a financial advice company. And most of my jobs have been quite quirky. And I've always had my businesses on the side for like 10 of the 12 years I've been, um, 10 of the 15 years now I've been working. And... Um, and obviously now I have my full-time businesses and I always have really ridiculous stuff that I do. Um, and my hobbies have always been quite niche. So I find the opposite, actually. When I worked in finance, I'd go to, you know, I'd go to my usual gatherings and people would be like, oh, how's things? What are you working as these days? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing some marketing for financial advice. And they'd be like, hmm. <laughs> and the conversation was just, it was like mic drop. It was great. And I was like, oh, well, this is a bit, because I'm used to people going, you do what the what now? And then it sparks a whole conversation. So I'm really surprised that you have that. Um, I can understand people being a bit dubious about, you know, is it like a legitimate financial way to live? Because mm. people do worry about the finances and it is hard. But then also I think something that's that's happened over lockdown, certainly in, in some of my more corporate kind of circles, is people are suddenly realising that actually all the art that we look at, all the TV and entertainment that we're having, all the music that we're listening to, the books that we're reading, like basically everything that is getting us through this this crisis that we've just weathered comes from somewhere, doesn't it? Comes mm-hmm. from creative people and creative mm. industries and artists and artisans, and I think that's been a really interesting shift. And I'm hoping that's a longer term shift. Yeah, I hope um, so. I don't know whether um, you saw, but I shared an article on my Facebook page actually about a week ago that was um, a survey that had been done. Some I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in the world. It wasn't um, in. Britain or America um I can't remember for the life of me where it was but um that basically sort of the 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 least useful profession if you like was being an artist oh I saw oh, I did this. see that yeah, I, I have seen that, that. yeah <laughs> yeah well um, thank you we'll just take <laughs> yeah. all of our art away then shall we and see how this, you get this on. is it like and they mm-hmm. say they you know challenge you to live for 30 days without art of any form and see how you get yeah. on with that and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, it kind of it makes me so cross that we kind of obviously being an artist I kind of take it personally but also Ooh, right. like, like it does kind of you know, it's like people, you know, you sit like back in the days when we had like CDs in our cupboards, you know, you don't realise that not only has that the music on that CD been crafted by songwriters writing the lyrics, mus- musicians and um, you know, people sitting down with you know keyboards and manuscript paper, actually writing the music, actually arranging the music. Then it's mm. been layered by a technician in the studio and edited to within an inch of its life, probably if it's mainstream music. 
Um, and after that, you've got, you know, the, the artists and the photographers and, you know, the designers and the producers and everyone coming together to actually create, let, let alone the, the manufacturers who actually then go and put this thing together. Yeah. You, know, you don't realise how many hands something as small and simple as a CD in a case with a little booklet in the front goes through. Goes through, yeah. And, and actually, it's really interesting to think of it your like hands. that. Yeah. 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 And everything, everything that we have, every book on my shelf, every DVD, every every road sign in the street outside has been designed yeah. by designed. someone. And I, I think that's something that, that baffles me that, you know, I mean, I've, I've been, I've always been fairly academic. And because of that, I've always been encouraged to, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, my parents have always been fully behind whatever I wanted to do. But from a school, um, college, university kind of thing, they've always kind of encouraged me into that oh, but you could do this, oh, this. Oh, you can't really earn a living, you know, artists starve, starving artists, that's a thing for a reason, and I'm like, but but there's a lot of them, do. Like, it's a really strange, it feels like the, the world is set up for only STEM subjects, and mm. certainly working in university, there's a massive, massive leaning towards, you know, even getting women into STEM subjects, into the science, the engineering, the tech, and that stuff is really important, but I do feel like there's a a bias and I think I also take it a bit personally actually there's a bias against the arts and and all those like you say all those related things you know someone who um you know technician type stuff is actually very creative you know um and and the creative stuff wouldn't exist without it there's been a shift in that that idea of the starving artist yeah but it probably was like that a a long long time ago but uh, I'm thinking of like you know renaissance and you know mm. this that far back yeah. they were all starving artists back then but actually as well creative people have got, become very good business people because of mm-hmm. things like the internet mm-hmm. and that probably goes a long way to actually making a lot more of these creative professions uh more uh not acceptable but you know more more mainstream. worthy yeah more, more mainstream yeah, more i guess doable, yeah, yeah. yeah. More, more, more acceptable as an option yeah i mean i think there's also something in that you know if you're a creative human at heart, i mean I, I do kind of think all humans are creative to a point but i think if your your creativity naturally asserts itself outwards in the way that you can't really ignore um i actually think it makes you better at business in a lot of ways because you don't have the bureaucracy and the caution and the um, I mean, yeah, you know, we, we have risk assessment, you know, we, we, we assess our risk and we, we take risks whether, whether we want, we choose whether we want to take those risks or not. I really can't words today. Um, <laughs> but I feel like as a creative, we can look at other ways to do something or if something is blocked, we go, no, OK, we'll just go this weird circular route around it and we'll get there somehow. And I think there's a there's a real strength in that, which I love. Um, yeah. Sorry, it's amusing. Not loud. <laughs> I, I love these these thoughts that are sparked by by these conversations, though, because Absolutely. I, think, I think they're not yeah. said out loud enough. A lot of them happen in our heads, and it's really nice to have them out. And you know, if you think that's complete bollocks, then obviously chuck a comment in and say, "Don't say that again." No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't not... see because it's a podcast. But I'm nodding in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she meant meant that just at you, Mary. Oh no, no, not you. No, I meant. Absolutely, of our listeners as well. Yeah, no. I kind of it's, there is a confirmation bias in that you know the people that we um, that we have on the podcast. Like we, we, you think like us. You know, you probably wouldn't want to be on this podcast if you didn't have at least a chunk of stuff in common. I reckon. So mm. well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should get someone, someone completely, completely yeah, different. Yeah, debate that. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Mm, someone intriguing. from Wall Street or whatever. You know, one of those very suited. <laughs> Can you persons. imagine? Can you imagine how they cope with us? thing i'm just i'm more worried about how i would cope with them to be fair but mm, we'll <laughs> well, to be fair you've um, got two against one so you're already one up on them this is true. very true <laughs> yeah true. that's very true. i'm not I sure like we've that. got an entire brain cell between us today 
Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe Sarah. Maybe Sarah. Sarah's totally fine. I'm just feeling a bit. It's the heat. I'm not. I am it's weird. Heat. I, yeah. I yeah. love the heat when I can just. I so it's really funny. I'm known for being like my. Um, in fact, my whole life I've been known for like the person that's a bit like a cat. I can curl up in the hottest part of the house and just absorb the heat. Turns out it's a totally different kettle of fish when you're trying to work and make yeah. your brain work. <laughs> Working in the yeah. heat is very different from just relaxing in the heat. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, I haven't done any um, actual artwork for about two or three days because I'm literally like so hot and gross that mm-hmm. I'm like I can't, I can't like I can't art because the moment I lean on anything I'm just gonna like it's... leave a print on it, leave a patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's horrible. Isn't so it? it's better to just I'm just waiting. I've been doing admin for like the last two days, mostly sat in the garden where I can. Mm-hmm. And because I have so many admin jobs that I never, I, 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 you say like creative people, good business people. I try. I really try. <laughs> I don't know whether I am. But don't I let try. me down now. <laughs> um, I mean, I must be doing something right because I've made more money this month than they have in previous months, and Woo-hoo, I have that's a, amazing. Yeah. little applause for that. Well done. <laughs> definitely, and I have a, I have a list of commissions that I um, I'm basically having to to limit my commission book now um and say oh, i can't wow. finish anything else before the end of my dissertation because i have too much work You're... coming in and i have too much academic that's stuff awesome. to do. definitely so, doing so something I, right there so absolutely. something is going right but yeah. um but yeah so i haven't touched any of the the actual creative work for the last few days i'm, I'm waiting for like the storm that's supposed to come tomorrow <laughs> mm-hmm. like, and then you'll be out there <laughs> painting madly uh, yeah <laughs> yeah catching yeah. up <laughs> absolutely i like that though there's another little hashtag you just made there i can't art i think should be <laughs> yes i think we're slowly so. building yeah. up t-shirt merchandise aren't we we are, the... we are. I can't wear to shit and i can't art yeah but, um... but actually talk about it i know you say uh, that about sort of not really just you, you try being a business person but what advice would you give to us our creative listeners about going forward if they want to pursue their creative dreams I think, um, yeah, the difficult thing that I've, I think I found is kind of that balance between sort of the creative work and the business work, you know, admin accounts, um, website stuff, you know, all the, you're running the online shop and stuff like that. Um, and it's just kind of making sure that you make time for everything. And that's not in a kind of, oh, well, you have to make more minutes in the day. Like, you know, there are only so many minutes and hours in the day and you can only do what the, the best that you can do. And, you know, you, you can't beat yourself up about the fact that there aren't seven more hours in the evening and you, you're not going to Are get... you inside my head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, genuinely, my to-do list is normally several pages long in my diary. I have, like, one of those big diaries. And, like, normally it's, like, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, off the end of the page. And I know... Mm-hmm. I don't write bullet, I don't write lists with the intention of getting through them in a day. It's just I prioritize what needs doing. Mm. Every couple of days I'll rewrite the list on the next on the new page of whatever day it is. Um, and I kind of I, I circle or I highlight the things that need doing that day and then the rest of the day kind of yeah, I kind of make the it sounds like an odd thing to say, but I kind of I try and make the most of whatever mood I'm in. Like if I'm not in a creative mood and I don't think I'm going to do a good job of a commission that's waiting, I think, well, okay, I'll put that on one side. I'll do it tomorrow. And I'm actually feeling really computery today. So I'll write, I'll write my blog or I'll write my newsletter or I'll upload more products to the shop. Or maybe I need to photograph some new stock that I've just printed or, you know, whatever. There's, there's always things that need doing. And I always make sure that I have things that need doing. Um, and actually, I think I think a truth of being a business is there will always be things. Always. That are, Whether or not you've got time but, for them, there will always be things that you're doing. Genuinely, I had a day about. It was only a day, mind you, but I had a day about maybe a month or two ago where I'd had a really productive couple of days, and I'd crossed off all bar about four things off my to do list. And I looked at my diary the next morning and saw I only had like four points in it, apart from artwork, because there's always artwork that needs doing. Um, 
and I felt so uncomfortable. I was like, what, what, what's wrong with my to-do? Why is it so short? Like, I'm failing. Like, there should be more things to do. I was basically having, like, a hyperventilation attack over the fact that my to-do list was so short. There wasn't enough on yeah, your to-do list. I was list. like, there's oh, not enough funny. to do. Like, I'm sure I must have forgotten something. Or, like, I'm happiest when I'm faced with an overwhelming to-do list. Um, which obviously you can cut through and make order out of it, can't you? But yeah. no, is, I like But also that. I feel secure because when I have a big to-do list, I have a plan. And when I have a plan, I'm happy. Okay, so, I like that. You know, I know how I'm going forward, but I think that's just the the really important thing that I would say is, you know, you, you have to find the balance between a knowing when you're not going to be any good at a particular job and saying, well, okay, that can wait until tomorrow, and hopefully I'll be in a more appropriate headspace for it, whether it's creative work, whether it's accounts, um, or whether it's you know just a job that you just feel, you know, I just really don't feel like doing that right now, and if I do it right now, I'm going to make a hash of it because I'm not really into it, and you know, tomorrow I'll probably feel better and. I'll do it tomorrow, you know. That is pick, well pick worth up a remembering. Job that that yeah. feels right for that moment and you'll be able to make mm. the most of every job that you do. And, and I think especially and... for creative um, roles as well, like you say, that there are some days you don't feel like you've got that creative mm. juice mm-hmm. to, you know, actually mm-hmm. do something worthwhile or, you know, will actually be of, of substance. Or I'm the same with, with writing sometimes. Yeah. I, I get to the thing knowing I've got to write a bunch of stuff for a, for a three or four different clients and I'll sit down and go no there's nothing there is literally mm. nothing there I may as well go off and do some filing or you know yeah. and actually a rule a rule I've had along the same lines for a long time is obviously if there's a deadline I'll do what I need to do but if it's something that is um you know thought work thought, you know to put the thought on the creativity into it rather than just you know I don't know doing my accounts I can always manage to do my accounts um if I am not feeling it I don't do it because I don't want to do it and then come back to it the next day and be like oh bollocks I could have done that so much better yeah. and then have mm. to redo it because that is a waste of everybody's time yeah. exactly um, yeah. so I've, I've had that as a rule for a lot even with um, with day job work actually if it was because I've often worked in quite kind of creative roles there um, if it was something that required thinking time and I wasn't in that kind of thinking mood to come up with the ideas I'd often just sort of say look actually you can't have this until the end of the week because <laughs> it's not happening today you hired a creative <laughs> deal with it um and actually I think that has served me really well I mean I do still get overwhelmed definitely I think we all do mm. at times don't yeah, we but definitely. and if there's lots of deadlines piling up where you have to do stuff but no I think that's really wise and it's really good advice um mm. But yeah, so I think it's kind of, it's about finding that balance between, you know, the admin jobs that need doing and the creative work that you want to do and the, the creative, even the commission work that obviously, you know, when I go out in the morning, like I'd love to just sit there all day and just draw pictures. Like, but, the but in order to be able to I do can't. that yeah, you have you to know. do the other stuff yeah yeah definitely yeah. and it's striking a balance I think as well between running running your business and working on your business mm. and making sure that you're still doing that creative stuff which was the reason you started a business yeah because those three things have to kind of fit together in a way yeah. that I guess that balance is different for each person I'd like to add one more to that though there's also oh. f- filling the well so that yes. you can keep doing the creative stuff because mm. if you're doing all of the admin and all of the other things then you're not you know taking it in from somewhere like one of my things is i forgot to read for a very long time and then suddenly wondered why i had nothing to write about because <laughs> i hadn't actually taken any ideas you ran out of words yeah, sarah there were no words they'd all come out they were all, all gone <laughs> so yeah it's about topping it all up you know going to mm. see a, a a show or to an art gallery or mm. going for a walk in the woods or doing something cre- something else creative away from what you normally do i think is also really important yeah. yeah actually i'm just gonna sneak in there which mm. i was gonna ask earlier and then it disappeared and now it's come back so in terms of that what's your split between kind of commissioned work and then work that you produce like personal work that you then create as prints and things that people can buy like do you have a kind of set 
balance between those two things or does it kind of ebb and flow depending on how many commissions are coming in or what's your kind of setup in that at the sense? moment i would say it's probably maybe 80 20 favoring the commissions just okay. because i have so many and i have a lot that have deadlines within the next couple of months same as my dissertation so I can't really afford to kind of pansy around too much with my own creative stuff. But mm. then I do start to get ants. I noticed that I've noticed recently, actually, if I don't do any of my own creative work, even if it's just an hour here or there, if I don't mm. do any for a long period of time, I start to get quite antsy with the commissions. So it's kind of, it kind of, even if I'm, if, I, if all I want to do is crack on with the commissions, there's kind of like this little niggle in the back of my brain that's going, you need to do something else um and you know it's, it's like that little voice in the back of your head that gets grumpier and grumpier as uh, as the days go on and eventually you kind of just have to go no i'm doing something else today <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, just, I'm gonna give in yeah and do that okay that's yeah. that's really interesting um, I, again I, it's not something i've yeah i mean ideally yet, but... i would i would have like a 50 50 split but at the moment i would say that's not possible purely because of the fact i'm still doing my academic work as well um mm -hmm. and once the dissertation is finished obviously i'll have yeah, more time i don't know swathes of time <laughs> theoretically <laughs> theoretically more time i mean i, I, I know I, I, that I know, saying it i know i know it's alive and as it comes out of my mouth <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I finished my um my last module for my degree back in well we ended up finishing early because of the pandemic so we finished in technically in april and i was like oh this is exciting so i can do i've got a bunch of um courses i want to go through to do with like copywriting and do you think i've actually looked at any of them since then no <laughs> she's shaking her head and she would be right so <laughs> no yeah. but it's like i mean the thing is like i keep thinking to myself oh after after my dissertation's finished then i'll be able to split my time more 50 50 between the commissions and and my original work and on, on some level that is probably partially true because um a lot of the commission deadlines will have been met by then i'm not taking on any more commissions that have deadlines around that time so i'll be able to maybe space them out a little bit more um but the thing is i've also got about i think three maybe other projects that i'm like looking at starting as soon as meditation is finished so i'm like realistically like my, my time is just evaporating before my eyes <laughs> so <laughs> i don't I know. know that feel uh, yeah It'll uh, uh, ask me again in six months and i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get you to come back for a, a, an update visit i'm yeah. gonna put a note in the diary for that definitely <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic i love it You've given us so much, so it's been really interesting. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, oh, this is probably a good point to kind of start wrapping up, I guess. What do you reckon? I, yeah, I think so. Um, so, um, unless is there anything else you would particularly like to share other than um, kind of promoting yourself? And then we'll do a little section at the end where we can get all your links and stuff in. No, I mean, I think we've probably covered everything that I think is, is relevant. Um, I think... Ooh. What's the beeping? I'm oh, not so sure where that is. That would be that that would be in Canada. I do apologise. That's the UPS man reversing up the road to, to drop a parcel off. I'm I mean, sure. there's something kind of cool about the fact that you're getting a parcel in Canada and we can hear it in two yeah. different counties in the it UK. Be me, like, I do neighbors. love the internet. I never get anything. It'll be the neighbours. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think sort of the the. the the next big things for me that I'm sort of thinking about. I mean, one of the things that I have always wanted to do, I, I just, my, my work is very much illustrative. Like I'm not a photorealist artist and I've always wanted, um, you know, I'm, I'm also a writer. Like I do a lot of songwriting and poetry and creative writing as well as academic writing, obviously. Um, 
so one of the things that I do really want to do that's kind of on my bucket list for after my dissertation is finished is I want to to start writing again and I want to write and illustrate and and publish um sort of books for maybe like young teens um Mm -hmm. that I've sort of self-illustrated and everything like that and I have a lot of ideas for things that there's kind of projects that I've had um like on the back burner for a long time that I started a long time ago that I've kind of sort of come back to me and I'm like actually I could do this now like I feel like I could actually complete this 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 story now that's like been sat in a cupboard in a in a great big spiral bound notebook for like probably about 10 years now untouched and I'm Amazing. sort of thinking I could actually I actually want to come back I looked at it the other day and I was like why did I not why did I not do anything with this um so that's because you weren't ready yeah then, uh, yeah I, I wasn't in the right place and I'm, I'm actually I'm gonna do a put in there I've done that with a few things recently and I've realized one of the reasons we didn't do things 10 years ago is because the technology didn't physically exist 10 years ago for some of the stuff we wanted to do with it mm. yeah so you know sometimes we beat ourselves up and but actually sometimes it's because we take for granted what we have now mm. we didn't have it 10 or 15 years ago so we couldn't do what we now want to do so self-publishing for example was not <laughs> a thing that we could have done well then, yeah easily, absolutely so, yeah, yeah. Um, and another thing that I've kind of I'm sort of thinking about doing is um, yeah I've had this, as I said I've had this kind of whole like epiphany with sort of the creative process and like the, the ways of sort of creating by tuning into sort of the unconscious and or whether you believe that it's I don't know deity spirit a collective unconscious whatever you believe that it is that sits outside of our own conscious minds um and using that in the creative process and allowing things to come into your creative process that kind of almost don't really feel like your own ideas because they they feel like they've come from somewhere else and just come through you um and I'm really keen to kind of I've been doing a lot of work um sort of on the MA like one of my big things is it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like this whole idea of sort of creating in an, in an imaginal way and one of the things that I really want to do when this is over is start looking at running either maybe weekly or monthly like evening classes kind of and I've had this like title in my head which is art in the imaginal and like encouraging Mm, people to to come into like this this kind of space where we you know we set some kind of special space where everybody can feel comfortable and, and safe and where they feel like they can kind of let that side of themselves go and it's not about learning to do art in a technical or traditional sense but it's more about learning to tune into to your own creative soul yeah um, i love that. have you have you read big magic no i haven't <gasps> oh you need you, to I was, that's big exactly magic. what i was thinking which we, you have to read big magic Absolutely. we went to a workshop a few years ago and um and there's a wonderful story in there about exactly that about this 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 kind of channel of ideas ideas mm. that mm. comes through you but isn't necessarily it's it's very i think you'll you'll find quite a lot of um of, of uh, synergy in there, I think. Mm. I worded as soon as you started came to me. As soon as you started talking about that, I was like, "Oh, this is oh, exactly yes, yes, yeah, amazing. amazing." And you must promise to let us know. Um, so we'll put the show notes out as they are. But once that is running, you have to promise to let me know the um, sign up link so we can go back and add it back in. Yeah, of mm. course. People can sign up. Yeah, that'd be really cool because yeah. that sounds like I know it might be a little while in coming. These things often take time, but um, I think that'll be really cool to, to be able to. Yeah. And then when I think yeah. when it. It is up and running and travel is, is, is allowed again. I will be there as well because that sounds right up my street. <laughs> right? so. yeah, but I'm, I'm also thinking, I mean, this is a bit of a pipe dream at the moment, but I also have this kind of, this big idea that I really want to like turn it into like a whole week retreat where people can just get like completely 
absorbed in it. And I would be oh, yes, so please. on board for that. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Can we can yes, we just please. make sure we can make we, sure we run it when Sarah's home from from can we just home from Canada, now, back from Canada? That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, that sounds awesome. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's some incredible. way off, but that's kind of that. That's kind keep of keep it there though, not moment. a pipe dream. Just keep, keep that there. But that's also, I think it's for. really good to have. I think one of the things that is really important to to have is that when you've kind of you've chased a dream and you're kind of making a dream happen, you're in the middle of making a dream happen, and it's working and it's wonderful and it's great, and it's also a bit stressful. But you know, it's, generally, <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, I think it's really important to still have that next thing to look towards because otherwise, you do risk getting lost again. So mm. um, yeah, that's a really lovely thing to hear about. I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear that about all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm so glad we reconnected because Yay. I know me too. I, I want to get involved in all of this stuff. It's very <laughs> exciting. So. In that case, um, can you tell us where we can find you um, and basically anything else you'd like to tell us? So where we can find you online, what your socials are, um, anything that you're currently running, anything anything you want people to know. And then I'll add the links into the show notes as well. Yeah. So my main website is uh, www.waterhorseartistry.co.uk. Um, so that's kind of my main website. I've got galleries on there of previous work. I've got information about commissions on there, um, including kind of basic commission price lists. And I have a website shop up and running now as well, which you can access through there. Um, I'm on Facebook um, as Waterhorse Artistry. So facebook.com forward slash Waterhorse Artistry. And um, Instagram as well under Waterhorse Artistry and Twitter which is Waterhorse Art, because it doesn't let me have enough letters to have Waterhorse Artistry. Um, <laughs> Damn Twitter. If you're really social media savvy, I've also recently got myself a TikTok account, which has been a very interesting experience. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually, I fear I am too old for TikTok. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. when Literally, when I first signed up to TikTok, because somebody said to me, like, this is great, like, marketing, like, you should do it. And I was like, oh fine we'll, we'll try it and see what happens and literally like the first kind of like five minutes of doing it and like I shared that I'd um, signed up for it on my Facebook page and I basically wrote like never has a social media platform made me feel so old <laughs> but actually, so true. actually once I started playing around with it once I got to grips with kind of how it works and like uploading the videos and cropping them and cutting them and editing them and adding the music to them I was like actually this is kind of cool it's like I'm making my own mini music videos so yeah. I kind of I, I kind of love it and hate it at the same time so I'm persevering yeah. with that one for now <laughs> I mean that's that's a very um I feel like that about all social media really I love it but I hate it but I love it but I hate it yeah. so yeah I can I get on board oh well, I'm gonna have to go and have a little nose and see what you're, <laughs> see what you're doing yeah excellent anything well, else you. is there anything else you yeah. want to share there before i know we kind of cut you off talking about <laughs> no, i don't think so i think that's everything i mean i'm open for all sorts of um win wonderful creative collaborations however absurd it sounds i'm we'll try anything once so I like <laughs> sounds that. good um, to me yeah so um i'm always welcoming inquiries from that point of view um commission inquiries i am still open for commission inquiries and i am still taking deposits for commission spaces i do have quite a long waiting list at the moment probably two or three months i would say um before i'd be able to start any new pieces um and i'm not taking on any more that i'm as i said due to finish before the end of august um or probably mid-september realistically uh, because of my academic commitments but um i am still open for i do animal um, I, I do pet portrait commissions but I also do illustration commissions so even if you think you know something as absurd as oh I have this spirit animal that's a fox and I really want somebody to draw it like I can do that like I don't need photo references all I need is your imagination and your input so oh, awesome. I will do anything <laughs> I like it 
good. That's amazing. Yeah. Lovely. So, well, thank you so much for coming on uh, and chatting with us today, Mary. It's been absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, not good. So I'm, I'm hoping you've enjoyed it. We've not bombarded you as ever, I feel like I've learned loads. I've got loads of yeah. stuff to go off and look at. And yeah, it's brilliant. So, and lots of, yeah, I feel you. very inspired and like mm. creatively inspired <laughs> as well, which is always yeah. good. I do like that always Fantastic. no it's amazing cool so um so that that is the end of episode mary um yes. and we would love it if you could follow us and review rate us one oh. day i will get this right never <laughs> i need a script i need a script for this we part. probably should write it down on the script we I'm probably should easier, write it down yeah. um <laughs> rate, rate us, us review us, us and share subscribe us, and share subscribe us. yes all of those things um, uh, the website is creativereboot.co mm-hmm. social media social media is creative reboot co Without the dot. Yes. Just to be confusing, yeah. <laughs> um, and we, we don't have TikTok, but we... <laughs> we may have to have a discussion about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're elsewhere, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, give us a like and, and let us know what you thought. We'd love to know um, by any means, really. Um, let us know what you think and if there's anything else you'd like to talk, us to talk about in future episodes. Fabulous. Yes. Lovely. Thank, Thank you, you very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.